I've seen you crying I've seen you on your knees The wise man dies so Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. If you were listening, you 
got a little preview of what our theme is today. Um, so I am Rachel Stolpe, and I will be the worship leader today. Um, Stevers and Sam are over on in the tech booth if you need anything. I'm hoping that there's people on Zoom because it's really slim in here, but but it's still amazing. It's still, you know, it's still good. Um, so later on, later in the service, Chad Campbell, he's from Everance. Um, I just rudely pointed at him. He's going to be sharing our reflection. And a big thank you to Connie and to David and to Lori for helping us with our music. So today we start our new summer series and our summer worship series, and I'm super excited about this. We're going to be using this book. Um, it's by Lisa Weaver and Elizabeth Miller. They've identified um, key concepts of our Anabaptist faith, and they've broken, them, broken that down into 12 different units. So throughout the summer, we're going to look at, at these, and it's our hope that through the study, um, we'll deepen our Anabaptist values of peace, community, service, and we also hope to nurture the love of Jesus growing not only in children's hearts and minds, but in us all. Because it does say, let the children come to us, but I do feel like it's applicable to all of us. This Sunday, we're starting with stewardship, because Chad's here. And in the book, um, they describe stewardship as the idea that our lives, our work, and our possessions are dedicated to taking care of God's kingdom. This understanding is reflected in how we use our resources. Creation stewardship may mean taking care of the earth, water, or air. Financial stewardship includes thinking about how you spend your money. And I think so often we just think about stewardship as, as just as money, but um, and our financial authoring, offerings and our tithes. But I really like how she, how they also talk about, they use the word resources and that there's other things that are our resources. And I appreciate the idea of, um, of taking care of God's creation as um, one of our responsibilities. Um, Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For God has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. So I've got an offering jar. I think everybody's familiar with like the little offering jars that you know you get in Sunday school. But I put in um, a variety of different things and different resources that we all have and different ways that we can share those resources. So if you um, you can come take a look at it later and or maybe I'll turn it periodically throughout the service. Join me for the call to worship. I'll read it. Creator, we give you thanks for all you are and all you bring to us for our visit within your creation. In Jesus, you place the gospel in the center of this sacred circle through which all creation is related. You show us the way to live a generous and compassionate life. Give us your strength to live together and respect and with respect and commitment as we grow in your spirit. 
for you are God now and forever. Amen. So let's think about that circle and Jesus being at the center of the circle as we sing our first song. It is 802, Draw the Circle Wider. And you can stand too, if you, if you want, you can stand and you can sing with your masks. Lori's gonna lead us. We often read the land acknowledgement and it fits so well with, <clears throat> sorry, and it fits in so well with um, our care for, God, for God's creation. It's um, 878 in Voices Together and I'll, I'll read that. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional, traditional territory of indigenous peoples. We affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous people. 
We give thanks to Creator and to those people who have stewarded this land for generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and worship here as we witness the reconciling movement of the Spirit. And we seek to live into right relations with our indigenous neighbors and all of creation. For the confession time, I found it's, it's number um, 788 in the, in the uh, hymnal. The words are new, but the tune is not. It's the um, Gitchy Gitchy Gumi song. Was in the moon of wintertime. Right, it has a real name besides Gitchy Gitchy Gumi. Um, but you all knew what I meant, didn't you? <laughs> but the the words are are sort of a confession of the on the words are sort of confessional. So I thought um, it would be I thought that would be um, fitting. So if you want to if you want to stand, I think that is best for our singing. It's 788. I'm just going to read the words here quickly before we sing. The garden needs are tending now, the water, soil, and air. The very rocks and stones cry out for stewardship and care. Creation groans, awaiting still the consummation of God's will. Where air and waters crystal bright have now grown choked and foul, the sparrow's maker mourns the loss of eagle, falcon, owl. Creation groans, its creatures yearn for wilderness and peace returned. When human tribes and nations vie to own its fertile yield, the psalmist knows the earth is God's, its fullness, grace revealed. Creation groans and pleads for hands to bring God's healing to its lands. While peoples die in poverty, some lives are thick with waste. The prophet warns us, simplify. Their challenge must be faced. Creation groans, awaiting still a church responsive to God's will. And then we finally have the hope come in on the chorus, or the refrain, earth will be green anew, Eden restored. And then we've got a little Latin thrown in there. Terra viri decima which means greenest earth. The garden needs are tending now the water, soil, and air. The very rocks and stones cry out for stewardship and Creation groans awaiting still the consummation of God's will. Earth shall be green and new, Eden restored, terra viridissima. Where air and water's crystal have now grown choked and foul. The sparrow's maker mourns the loss of eagle, falcon, now. Creation groans, its creatures yearn for 
last um, worship series um, Allison wrote and she taught us or she showed us uh, um, for passing the peace she would say like gather up a big pile of peace around you and make it into a little into a ball and throw it at somebody and say peace be with you and I always kind of envision a snowball but it's also fun to just think about throwing peace at each other. So if you want to um, stand back up and wave to each other or just because we can't shake hands and whatever like we used to, but you can also throw them a ball of peace or <laughs> do a make a heart or I don't know, something so we can pass the peace with each other. we're using the they give us an early an early story and they give us a global story and so I'm going to read the early story and it is about this woman Macon Van Deventer she was a 16th century Anabaptist woman while imprisoned because of her faith she wrote a letter to her children she encouraged them to seek the richness of life that Christian faith brings and to leave aside the pursuit of earthly wealth. Her letter includes these words of explanation about sharing resources with others and the, um, the letters found in the martyr's mirror. Hear my children the instructions of your mother and incline your hearts to understand and open your ears to hear the words of my mouth. To my children, love your neighbor heartily, and this with a liberal heart. Let the light of the gospel shine in you. Deal your bread to the hungry, clothe the naked, and do not suffer anything to remain with you double, since there are enough, since there are enough that lack. And whatsoever the Lord grants you, that possesses, that possess with thankfulness not only for yourselves, but also for your neighbor, and seek not to your own profit, but that of your neighbor. In short, my children, let your life be conformed to the gospel of Christ. Our, so our first, so our reading is Matthew 16, 19 through 24, and 
Chris is going to read that for us, and then after that, uh, Chad will come up and give the reflection. Matthew six nineteen through 24, this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy but, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, well, good evening or afternoon, whatever it is here. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I work for... Everance Financial, it's the kind of stewardship arm of MCUSA. Um, been working for them for eight years now. And one of the pleasures I get is once in a while getting to travel to different churches and meetings and otherwise to, to share a little bit about what I've been learning in, in the text. Um, my undergrad is actually in biblical studies, so studying the ancient texts and trying to better discern what did that mean then, so how can we better understand it now is, is a, sort of a side passion for me. So... Um, Matthew 6, uh, th this, this passage is, like uh, Chris said, part of the Sermon on the Mount, which if you're looking for some, some good wisdom and good things to kind of reframe your brain, um, reflecting on Matthew 5 through 7 on a regular basis is something I definitely encourage. But um, this section is, uh, is kind of um, you know, confusing maybe, right? So you, you have this first section, which is like, you know, don't store up for your treasures here on earth. And then this thing about the eye of the, is the lamp of the body, and, you know, if your eye is light or dark, it'll be light, really light or really dark. And then finishes with, you can't serve two masters, you know, for you'll love the one and hate the other. And um, if you're like me growing up, the, the first and the third sections kind of make sense, right? Like, don't store up yourselves treasures on earth, you know, don't make wealth your, your primary goal in life, or don't make, you know, comfort and convenience your, your dream. And, you know, if you do... You can't serve God in, in the full way, right? You can't really go and, and love money and love wealth and love God and your neighbor well, right? They're, they're kind of juxtaposed. But then there's this piece about the eye being full of light or full of darkness. And if you're like me, you're like, I have no idea what Jesus is saying here. Like, what, what is this? What is going on? It's got to do with money, right? Because the, the preceding and the latter are both about money. But, but what are we looking at? And um, so if we look at the Hebrew text that Jesus draws much of his inspiration from, um, we actually see that there's a number of places throughout the Old Testament where we see the eye being sort of this place of how do we view the world? Do we view it um, through this dark eye or this light eye? It's, it's, a, it's an ancient Hebrew kind of idea. And uh, one of the first and, and really interesting places we see this is uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, where if you know the story of ancient Israel, you have, you know, Abraham being called, eventually getting into Egypt, Joseph, you know, all that, and then slavery, captivity, God brings Moses along to deliver the people, and then they're out in the wilderness, and they're all complaining, like, what do we do? Moses, you brought us out here to kill us, like, it would be actually better for us to be in Egypt being in slavery, right? 
And uh, so there's a lot of things they're working out as far as what does it look like to be a new people group. And so Moses is, you know, convening with God, Yahweh, and, and asking for wisdom on how do we determine what does it look like to be a people set apart? What does it look like to be this holy people that you've called us to be? And so that's basically what we get in uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is sort of this working out of what does it look like to be this people group? What are the laws that differentiate us from other ancient cultures? What are the, the types of practices that we might want to consider? And so uh, one of these really interesting practices um, has to do with how people treat each other economically, right? How do we treat debt? How do we treat the widows and the orphans in our community? How do we think about what does it look like when we were once slaves? How do we make sure no one else becomes a slave again? And so there's this, this passage in Deuteronomy 15 where uh, Moses is saying, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in the land in which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open wide your hand and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever that might be. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cries out to the Lord against you, and then it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all the works in which you put your hand. So kind of an interesting thing. There's a couple things going on here. So um, one of the things you might have heard is in the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. So one of these ancient practices was every seven years you had to forgive all the debts that were owed to you. So this idea was, you know, again, poor land conditions or a famine or a crop failure or something like that wouldn't put you in a position to be a slave for the rest of your life. So your land fails, you sell your land to your neighbor, and they, you know, help you out, they give you a loan, maybe they let you work the land, but you're then their day laborer. Um, so God doesn't want a bunch of day laborers and a few wealthy landholders. He wants everyone to have their own ownership. And so here in this section, apparently there was an issue with people lending and borrowing when they knew the seventh year was coming up, right? So if your poor brother is, is running into financial trouble and he's coming to you, you know, six years and five months in, you know in seven months you're going to have to forgive whatever debt he, he, he borrows from you, right? So it's sort of this, you know, don't let that wicked thing in your heart go. Don't let your eye become evil towards your poor brother and, you know, Tighten your fist against him, but surely you will willingly lend him whatever he needs. Or otherwise it will become sin among you, and he might cry out to the Lord against you. And what's interesting about that whole crying out against you piece is, uh, do you know what the Israelites were doing while they were in Egypt a lot? They were crying out to the Lord to save them, to deliver them from the oppression. And it's the same Hebrew word, this word cry, both in Egypt and here in this verse. That, you know, if you are being cried out against you, you are acting as an oppressor. You are becoming a new pharaoh, um, becoming stingy and selfish and hoarding what you want and trying to build your own little empire. Uh, but that's not what God desires for this ancient Israelite community. He desires a group full of people that have ownership, they have stake in their land, that they're not just day laborers, they're not thrown into poverty, they're not just left to their own devices. 
And there are a number of laws uh, in the ancient world about not charging interest on debt that you offer your, your Israelite neighbor. Or there's laws about gleanings where you could maybe go through your vineyard more than once or twice and collect all the olives and grapes and everything. But God says, no, don't do that. Leave a corner of your field. Leave uh, a gleaning for the widows and the orphans who don't have rights to land, who don't have the ability to produce for themselves. So make sure that they don't starve, right? Make sure that they have enough and that they're, they're cared for. So all that to say, um, this whole idea of the eye full of darkness or the eye full of light has a lot to do with how we view the resources we have, how we view the goodness in the world, um, and, and what, those, what role that plays in how we act towards our neighbors. Um, so uh, an eye full of darkness uh, can be a view where, where everything is seen as, as a piece of a pie, right? There's only so much pie, there's only so much goodness, there's only so much joy, so if something really good is happening to you and not to me, Maybe I'm feeling envious or jealous or frustrated. Why is everything good happening to them? They don't even deserve it. Like, why, why would God bless them and not me when I'm being faithful or I'm doing all the right things? Um, it can be really hard to celebrate with others uh, when, we, when we have this dark eye. But contrasted with this eye full of light, we can see uh, an abundant God or uh, an undivided God, right? God is one. He cannot be divided. He's not two or split or separated. Um, that there is a divine flow that comes in waves, and it comes in large amounts sometimes and maybe smaller amounts sometimes, but we trust and know that this God is an abundant God who's infinite. Uh, another parable to, to sort of draw this out is uh, in a different part of uh, the Gospels, Jesus teaches about an owner who, who pays everyone equally as he hires them throughout the day. And if you remember this story, so this landowner goes out in the morning, hires a bunch of day laborers, and then goes out again in the morning, hires more later morning, early afternoon, at the end of the day, and then he's settling up his accounts with all of them and he pays them all the same. And uh, maybe you can imagine your own version of how you might feel if you were, you know, one of the people that was hired in the morning. You might feel a little incredulous towards this landowner uh, that you would pay somebody else the same as, as you're paying me when I worked all day. Um, but what's really interesting is the owner's response. He says, are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? And so I think next time we're, we're worried about our situation or the good that's happening for others or the things that we feel like maybe we deserve that other people don't deserve that, that they're getting, we just ask ourselves, are we being envious because God is generous? So, um, yeah, there's, there's a divine flow to these things. There's anxiety in life that comes with money and, and how all these things go. But uh, my encouragement today is to think about what does it look like to have an eye full of light, to see God as an abundant God, that there is ample resources, there is enough if we can share it around. There is enough if we don't let our eyes be hardened and hearts hardened towards each other um, or towards our, our poorer brothers and sisters around the world even. Um, so, yeah, how do we focus on what others need, not just what we want in life? How do we make sure that we don't live so frugally as well that we lose our eyeful of light? So sometimes in Mennonite circles, I don't run into this, uh, you know, extravagant living issue or something like that. I run into people who are, like, so detailed about their money that they're, like, almost cut off from being able to give generously because they're so focused on having enough or 
utilizing every little bit just perfectly or something like that. Um, and so I think, you know, we have to be careful that when there are seasons of less, that we don't just get caught up in this sense of scarcity, even as the flow kind of widens out and we can be more generous and we can give more even now. Um, so, yeah, giving our time, our talents, our money to things that matter will bring satisfaction in life in ways that just hoarding and, and building up for ourselves never will. Um, and then my sort of challenge for you is also to, to intentionally celebrate with others. So when, when something good does happen in somebody else's life, you know, maybe you don't feel exactly excited for them in that moment, but challenge yourself and push yourself to say, I'm excited for you, or, you know, I'm really glad that that happened to you. Um, you know, celebrating them and encouraging them, and maybe it'll be through gritted teeth at first, you know, if you're really like, this is kind of my rival at work or something, and I'm frustrated, but, you know, I am so happy for you. Um, practicing it might be hard at first, but uh, eventually helps us to continue to build in practices that help us see with, with an eye full of light. So, uh, as you go about your life and, and thinking about uh, your money and the resources in the world, the, the goodness in life, the joy, the things that you might desire for yourself. Um, when it gets frustrating and you're looking at others and, and wanting to be envious or jealous, uh, just remember to ask yourself, like God asks the uh, tenant, own, tenant workers that he hires, you know, are you being envious because I'm generous? Uh, I think that's a, a good reflection. Or am I being envious because God is generous? So thank you for, for, for the word here. Thanks, Chad. Those are good challenges. Um, let's sing 754. You can remain seated for this. Probably a familiar tune. As we continue our time of responding, I want to share with you the global story out of our book. 
And um, this comes from Panama. So it says, in Panama, as of, 18, or as of 2018, there are 13 Mennonite Brethren churches, mostly made up of Wunan and Embera peoples. The Wunan are indigenous, an indigenous group made known for making carvings out of red cocobola wood. Although the government has promised them a large tract of forested land that historically has historically been the home of the Wunan, logging companies have been moving into the territory, cutting down trees and turning the forest into fields for their cattle. As their land is taken, the Mennonite brethren in Panama have found themselves threatened, afraid, and worried about the future of their churches and the land. Back in 2015, Americo Aji, a leader of the Mennonite Brethren Churches in Panama, shared this story at the Mennonite World Conference Assembly gathered in Pennsylvania. Quote, we have spent much time in prayer, prayer for the struggling that we have experienced for many years, the struggle to have our land and our family security. Because it is the earth, the land that sustains us, not only do we live from this land, but as human beings created by God, our, our, people, we, our people want to conserve everything that is created, our nature and our environment. The Wunan hope to protect their land and their people. The leaders have carefully identified cocobolo trees throughout their, their territory and made a plan for harvesting and replanting so that both the Wunan communities and the trees will survive. The Panamanian Mennonite Brethren churches ask the global Anabaptist community to join them in praying for their people and their land that all will be able to live fully and peacefully. So I think it's, um, I think it's great to, I think it's interesting to hear about what's happening around us. Um, please pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much for this group that has gathered here today. Thank you for the stories that we've heard Thank you, God, for the treasures in our hearts and the beauty of the earth. Amen. Our last song is 162, The Love of God. It's, um, yeah, well, that'll be our, yeah, that's our last song. So you've heard me talk about this song before, but I just want to say it one more time. Um, Chad, you're talking about abundance and, um, you know, God's love, and the, the last verse is, okay, imagine with me, that the ocean is full of ink, and that the skies are completely parchment, that we have all these quills, and that everybody is a scribe and can write, and still, that would not be enough to write about God's love. We would drain the ocean, and the parchment would not be able to contain everything that we have to say about God. So I just, I just love that imagery. Would you stand with me?
can be seated if you'd like. Um, hear the benediction. Whatever wilderness the Spirit has brought to you, walk in boldness. As a beloved child of God, walk in peace. Under the shelter of the Most High, walk in faith. Knowing Christ walks with you, go in peace, but not yet. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. Oh, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Early in the morning, I'm gonna let it shine. Late in the evening, I'm gonna let it shine. In that midnight hour, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine Yes, let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine 
I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, oh, let it shine. Down in the depths of the city, I'm gonna let it shine. Out in the stately houses, I'm gonna let it shine. All around the countryside, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine. Yeah, let it shine In that fiery furnace I'm gonna let it shine When they call me Jesus be my witness I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Oh, let it shine I got the light of Jesus I'm gonna let it shine Ooh, I got the love of Jesus I'm gonna let it shine In the love of Jesus I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Oh, let it shine Glory, hallelujah, I'm gonna let it shine. Glory, hallelujah, I'm gonna let it shine. Glory, 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 I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.